When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The road to WrestleMania stopped in Space City, where the stars were out for Elimination Chamber. Bailey and the boss reached new heights as the first WWE Women's Tag Team Champs. We will talk about that, as well as the universal love for Kofi Kingston in the Men's Elimination Chamber, despite falling to Daniel Bryan. The WWE then went from Houston to Louisiana, where the crowd seemingly disappeared into a black hole. We break down the sparsely attended shows and the special appearances of big NXT stars on the main roster. We will also take a spin around the globe for our Rev Pro showdown between Pac and Will Ospreay, and we get you ready for Honor Rising in New Japan. All that, next! WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, impact and more also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers listener q a's and extended discussions about wrestling topics past present and future now here's your host kelsey hi and welcome to two-faced wrestling talk i'm kelsey and this week's a little different because i'm joined remotely by my co-host paul yep i'm uh kind of in between where we were over the weekend at Elimination Chamber and, of course, our home base in New Orleans. I'm over in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, doing play-by-play of the state soccer championships. And as we record this podcast, it's going to be hard for this podcast to lift, live up to the soccer match I just covered, which was just insane, a 5-4 overtime game, last-second goal. It was crazy. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But um, the funny thing is Lafayette is where Raw took place this week. It is. And uh, we'll talk a lot about Raw, but also SmackDown, because we were at SmackDown Live. We weren't at Raw, but we were also at Elimination Chamber. We've had a busy week. So we'll get into all of that. But in our second block, we'll be talking non-WWE with NWA stuff, ROH, and also a little tiny bit of Honor Rising. So all that to look forward to, but first, be sure to check us out on social media at Two Face Pod, T W O F A C E D P O D. Also, you could check me out on my Twitter. No, I did not put out a poll on my Twitter this week for my T-shirt, but I literally have five polls out right now, including a Pop and Wrestling Connection, which will come to you later in the week, as well as a whole bunch of other polls, just wrestling and non-wrestling related, and you could follow me there at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. Well, also, Kelsey, we want to make sure we thank our good friends at St. Arnold Brewing as we were over at the Elimination Chamber. We did the live podcast from the brand new beer garden, which was phenomenal. We want to thank them for all their support. We had a great time over there. Everybody was super nice. We met uh, uh, quite a few fans, which was awesome, and uh, obviously drank some delicious beer. So thanks to St. Arnold for hosting us prior to the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, it was a good time, but... 
I think it was the perfect way to prepare for the show to talk about what we were looking forward to and not looking forward to. Some surprises in the pay-per-view, some things that kind of played out exactly how I predicted, funnily enough, because I usually never have correct predictions, but this time I actually had quite a few correct predictions, which is just crazy to me. But uh, I actually enjoyed the actual pay-per-view. It was a good way to get hyped up. And then the pay-per-view really didn't disappoint once we got there. The crowd was awesome. And I think one of the main things I took away from the show was Kofi. He really just had another awesome performance after that great gauntlet match he had had during the week on TV. So to me, his momentum is just building and building. And obviously now we know after SmackDown that he's going to be facing Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. And I'm so excited for that. But heck, I would have... I would have liked to see them face off at Mania, but I know they probably don't think that's a Mania match. But to me, I'm just as excited to see that at Mania as any other match that Daniel Bryan would have. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about the crowd. They were going crazy for Kofi at Toyota Center. And, you know, you, me, everybody around us was so into it. Everybody wanted Kofi to win. And you mentioned the crowd. Look, they were great at the beginning of the show. You know, the cruiserweights as we saw on Tuesday night at SmackDown, can be uh, ignored by the crowds. Not the case at Toyota Center. Buddy Murphy and Akira Tozawa put on an amazing match. I really thought Tozawa was going to get over the top. Didn't happen. Buddy Murphy retained. But uh, the crowd was awesome from that match all the way through. There wasn't a lot of dead time where the crowd wasn't into it, unlike our show in New Orleans. Yeah, I know. It was kind of like a crazy difference but I actually was surprised the crowd was loud but it didn't seem as filled as I thought it would be and I don't know why that is like I went to Royal Rumble in San Antonio not that far from Houston obviously and the Royal Rumble there's a lot more people around town and a lot more traffic around the arena for this show it didn't seem as trafficy, and it just didn't seem as many people walking around outside like getting concessions and the merch lines were long but it's hard to gauge really what the crowd was actually like and how big they really were but they sounded loud at least and I guess that's the most important thing when you want to have a good atmosphere when you're attending a show like that yeah it was a good crowd and uh, a really good show uh, right off the bat I mean, the first Elimination Chamber match was the women's match. And uh, I'll admit, I kind of had low expectations for that match. I really didn't think it was going to be great. Um, I think we we were all pretty much in agreement. It was either going to be Nia and Tamina or Bailey and Sasha Banks. One of the two were going to win it. But along the way, I thought, you know, the Iconics, you know, for all their goofiness, actually performed pretty well. Uh Mandy Rose and uh, Sonya Deville, I thought, were really good. And obviously, they had a couple near falls at the end when it was down to them and uh, Sasha and Bailey. So I thought they handled all that well. I thought Bailey and Banks deserved to win the first titles. They don't beat Nia and Tamina, so that sets up a good WrestleMania match. So I thought all that was handled well, and I thought it was a pretty well-wrestled match. It surprised me as well, and... I am so glad Bailey and Sasha won because to me that makes their whole non-existent feud acceptable because, you know, last Elimination Chamber rewind a year. We were getting little teases of the feud they were going to have against each other, but then they made up and they had that whole therapy thing and then they were friends and then 
we all started to speculate they must be do- doing something with women tag teams because why else would they not utilize their great chemistry Remember, they had that awesome NXT TakeOver match, and to me, that's one of the best women's matches of all time, and I know they could replicate it on the main roster, but yet they have not pulled the trigger time and time again. This pay-per-view had them winning, and to me, it was the, the payoff we needed to make it acceptable that they never have done that feud. I'm not saying that they're never going to do it, but at least now, we have them having a feel-good moment, and I think it's going to be great going forward for WrestleMania because they're obviously going to probably have an awesome match there because you could argue, no, they shouldn't have won at Elimination Chamber. They should have had their feel-good moment at WrestleMania. But me, I wanted them to be in the history books as the first women tag team. And I say first in quotes because as we talked about in our pre-show before the Elimination Chamber, there was actually other women tag champs before. But, um... You know how WWE likes to rewrite things, so I'm just glad that Sasha and Bailey are the first champs in this whole rewriting of things. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because obviously somebody made a point of putting that uh, on our our comments on the uh, broadcast, the uh, live podcast, and I went back and thought about it, and technically it is true. Sasha and uh, Bailey are the first WWE women's tag team title holders. The previous tag team was WWF. So that's your big uh, your your big saving grace on why they're making history as the first. But really glad for them. I, uh, I was a little surprised, as I know you were, in the uh, SmackDown tag team championship match because, you know, I... I Going into it, I would have thought the Usos were going to win it, but then the whole legal issue, the confrontation with the police, I thought, well, maybe they're gonna they're gonna put it on Miz and Shane and keep them with it, maybe only until Tuesday on SmackDown. But sure enough, the Usos won it. I know you were surprised. I was very surprised. In fact, I was so confident with my choice of Miz and Shane retaining because of the whole controversy with the police and the Usos. So, you know, I think it's odd that they let them win it because WWE makes a big deal about some scandals, but not a big deal about others. And this is not the first time, it's his third arrest in not that long of a period of time. I know they're one of the best tag teams in WWE. I just find it odd that WWE didn't, like, partially suspend them, and they've done that for lesser things for other people. Like, you know, if there's any kind of substance stuff that, to me, is not that serious... Certain substances aren't that serious. They'll suspend somebody. I don't know. It's all very odd, but I guess overall it was a great match. Well, and one other thing, Kelsey, that I want to bring up during that Usos match, and I thought it was really interesting. There were a few people around us, and I think in other parts of the arena, chanting AEW, which I thought was kind of interesting. Obviously, We've talked about in the past an Usos versus Young Bucks match somewhere down the road. If the Usos were to leave WWE, of course, there's the crazy rumor that the Usos are trying to force their way out of WWE, and that's why they're getting in trouble with the law and all that. That's all ridiculous. There's there's better ways to break your contract than getting in trouble with the law. In fact, there's better ways to get in trouble and, and still not get get your contract terminated, as we saw this week with the whole speculation and controversy involving Corey Graves and Carmella. And I do want to circle back to that because the beginning of the show, you noticed it right away. 
Corey Graves' music not played at the beginning of the show. They just kind of snuck them out down the side. Yeah, obviously they didn't want to call any extra attention to Corey Graves and get any extra booze, so they didn't have any music of any announcers. They just kind of, like you said, subtly snuck them in. And uh, people still booed Corey, though, when they saw him. And then we noticed some production people kind of coming up to him and almost hugging him, like they felt bad for him. We were really kind of paying close attention to what he was doing and how he was interacting with people around him. And of course... Funnily enough, the first woman who came out for the Women's Elimination Chamber was Carmella. Awkward! It was a little weird, and people did boo Carmella, but I think it was a little more subtle than I thought it would be. I thought it would be raining down boos. But, again, not everybody reads online. However, we talked about this in our pre-show, it's gotten picked up. It had gotten picked up from the mainstream media. So to me... I think a lot of people saw it even more so than just people reading wrestling sites. People reading, like, what news site reported it that you said? Uh, New York Post, which uh, it, they're big on uh, scandalous news as it is. But, uh, yeah, they picked it up. And uh, you mentioned Carmella being out there first. And the crowd was actually uh, not huge numbers, much like the AEW chant. But there were people chanting Corey Graves' name while Carmella was in there. So, uh Certainly an awkward situation now. We didn't see that as much at SmackDown on Tuesday, and they did play Corey Graves' entrance music when they took the ring on Tuesday, and a few people reacted. But like you said, it's almost like not everybody knows about it unless you're kind of in the wrestling community. Yeah, I mean, there's been other reports, too. Like, you know, nobody knows really what the situation was. There was reports that they might have been separated before. However, I don't know what to really believe. You know, there's always two sides to every story. However, I am surprised at SmackDown that they only played his music. It's not like they played his music and other people's music, too. It was just Corey Graves' music. And I was like, wow, this is gutsy right here. So that was a... A weird observation there, but going onwards with the Elimination Chamber, I really did really like this whole pay-per-view, and circling back how you said that they were actually loud for the cruiserweights, I really enjoyed that match, and even though it was the pre-show, there was still people reacting, like you said, and that kind of made it even better. I was surprised that Buddy Murphy retained in a way, even though that was my pick. Like, somebody's got to beat him eventually. You know, I thought maybe Tozawa would be a good person. However, I did officially pick Buddy Murphy to retain because I just thought he's been so dominant. But man, it's been a long title reign for him so far. Yeah, and uh, to me, the obvious choice would be Cedric Alexander. Cedric's probably your biggest name guy on that division, most recognizable. So I would think uh, Cedric versus Buddy at WrestleMania probably is going to be the case. We don't know when Kushida is coming aboard. Uh, obviously he would be a factor you would think as well. Well, we were speculating and hoping that Kushida doesn't go to 205 Live, and I'm not bashing anybody from 205 Live. Great wrestlers, in fact, some of the best wrestling happening in WWE right now, but you got to admit, not many eyes are on 205 Live. Definitely not as many eyes that are on NXT and that are on Raw and SmackDown, of course. I don't think Kushida's going to go up to Raw or SmackDown right away. However, I think he'd be really good 
and do very well in NXT. And that's what I'm hoping for. Again, not to bash 205 Live at all. I just think the best place for him to get over and to start off is in NXT. I would agree with you, and uh, we'll see where he goes. Uh, Finn Balor, you talked about all your right predictions. I predicted that Finn Balor would pin Leo Rush and win the Intercontinental title. And, uh, you know, you had the Baron Corbin uh, joining with Lashley and Drew McIntyre to beat up Baron St- or Braun Strowman, which you thought maybe that's the beginning of a formation of a, some sort of new, new allegiance there between Lashley and McIntyre. Yeah, I mean, WWE, funnily enough, doesn't really like factions. I think Vince is not really fond of them, and that's actually funny because DX is now being inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, we just found out, and they're one of the best-known factions of all time and the most popular factions of all time. However, since then, you know, there's not been that many. I mean, even Sanity's not really doing well as a faction on the main roster, and that's a shame because they were an amazing faction. But I think when we saw Baron, Lashley, and McIntyre pose, that was kind of the signaling of it could be a faction which surprised me, but that might be intriguing. However, that was probably my least favorite match of the whole show, and I don't know, do you really want to hurt Braun that way? I know it took a lot of force, and it took a lot of things to overcome him, so in a way, he still looks kind of strong. He's not really hurt that much by it. However, I'm just surprised by the booking of it. I don't know. Yeah, it was just another match to put in there, I think. I'm just glad that that feud is over, because I'm, I'm over it, so I don't know. Well, let's go to the men's main event. We touched on it at the beginning of this discussion. First and foremost, let's start with Samoa Joe. We we both predicted that he might actually win this thing, and it's the exact opposite. He's the first person eliminated. What are they doing with Samoa Joe? I don't know, but, you know, I'm pretty disappointed about this. I loved the Elimination Chamber match. That was my favorite match of the night. But, having said that, I think it was totally wrong to have Joe go out first. You can't keep doing this to Joe. He has no significant wins, really. I mean, maybe a few here and there, but really, he's lost a lot. And you've got somebody who's organically over, one of the best talkers you have, and is a phenomenal wrestler. No pun intended, because AJ was in the match. But you're going to throw all that away if you don't give him some big wins eventually, because after a while, people will stop caring. No matter how good he is, they'll stop caring, and that is a shame. Get this man a belt. I said this on the pre-show that we had at St. Arnold. It's ridiculous that this guy has not had a belt. He can carry a belt very easily. He's awesome on the mic, like I just said. I don't know. Why couldn't Hardy be the first one eliminated? Why couldn't they have just, you know, kind of waited to have the first person out of the match, waited till Jeff Hardy was in the match, he did his little, you know, swanton, and then they could have eliminated Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if you don't win it. Where what does it matter whether you're, where you're eliminated? I guess, but I, I really would like to see what they're going to do with Samoa Joe because he needs a belt sooner than later. And and look, I get that our truth's holding the U.S. title. You know, maybe it's a little bit of a reward for uh, you know being a good soldier, as we've talked about for certain people in the past. Samoa Joe should be the U.S. champion. <laughs> if he's not going to be the, the WWE champion, he should be the U.S. champion. But going on with that match, I thought that there were some great spots. The RKO of AJ catching the phenomenal forearm and RKOing him was awesome. Of course, Jeff Hardy did a crazy spot. But 
as you mentioned at the beginning of the segment, it was all about Kofi and man, the crowd was so behind him and so, so wanted him to win. I mean, I was screaming at points when I thought Kofi could win. The whole crowd kind of was feeling the same way as me because everyone was on the edge of their seat and with each kick out of Daniel Bryan, they were like, no! Or with each kick out of Kofi, because sometimes, you know, Bryan almost pinned Kofi, people were like, ah! So as soon as he kicked out, people were like, yes! And they would chant Kofi. It was just really kind of magical, and I hate to be corny like that, but very few things in WWE, in my opinion, in this day and age, really kind of elicit that emotional response that we saw firsthand at Elimination Chamber. I thought that was special, and you really can't emphasize it enough because you just don't see that that often anymore that's something special and you know let's fast forward to smackdown they could have opened the show with kofi and that would have been a huge pop there was not a big crowd at that smackdown as we'll get into later in depth but you know to get the crowd going even a small crowd can sound really on fire and really loud if you get them going now, they could have done that with Kofi opening up the show, but instead they had Miz and Shane. And yeah, I know that's furthering the story about them breaking up, yada yada, but they could have done something fun with Kofi, and he could have still had his match at the end of the night. So, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, that's a good transition into uh, the TV out of Elimination Chamber. As that show was going on, and that match, the six-man tag, I really thought they were setting up, and they still might, Kofi versus Randy Orton, kind of reliving that great feud they had, which was really Kofi's most significant singles push uh, years ago. In fact, I'd like to go back and watch that that match at some point because it was brutal, if I remember correctly. So uh, we thought maybe they were setting that up. We weren't really sure. And then SmackDown ends with uh, the announcement that he's going to go against Kofi. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Kofi at uh, Fastlane, which we do have to admit we, for, <laughs> funnily, funny enough, forgot that there was another <laughs> pay-per-view before WrestleMania. We were thinking that Elimination Chamber was the last one. That's how forgettable Fastlane is. Yeah, we forgot all about it. We were like, yes, Elimination Chamber is sandwiched right in between WrestleMania and Royal Rumble. What an unfortunate position. Which, it basically is still somewhat sandwiched, but yeah, I totally forgot about Fastlane because it's not very consequential usually. And it's really not that big of a pay-per-view in terms of things that happen. And I really don't like the name of it either. I'm sick of all these racing theme pay-per-view titles. It's odd. But whatever. That's a story for another day and a discussion for another time. But I am excited about Daniel Bryan versus Kofi. However, like I said, it could have been a Mania match to me. I know not to maybe WWE, but... I don't know. I'm kind of lamenting that a little bit. However, I'm not complaining because I am excited for the match itself. They had some great sequences in the Elimination Chamber match, so I know it'll be a great extended singles match. However, we will go back and watch that Randy Orton and Kofi match, and I'm hoping that maybe, you know, do you think that could be worthy of a singles non-title match at Mania if Kofi doesn't win? That's what I'm thinking. I think Kofi doesn't win at Fastlane. Maybe he goes against Randy Orton. Then you question who Daniel Bryan will go against at WrestleMania. Maybe that's where we get Samoa Joe finally. We'll see. Uh, let's uh, talk about some other TV talking points quickly. I know we don't go into depth a lot of times about WWE TV, but you know this was kind of a big week in TV. Uh, 
you know, Wrestling Inc. actually reported that Raw did its best number uh, non-football, even better than Royal uh, after Royal Rumble, right? Yeah, and that's ironic because, as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, you're in Lafayette, and the Lafayette crowd for Raw was terrible. All these NXT call-ups, and it was dead quiet. So that is odd, but it doesn't surprise me, and I know it doesn't surprise you, because lately... Now, traditionally, New Orleans used to be a wrestling town back when Junkyard Dog was popular. I mean, he would sell out shows. But now, it's not popular here in terms of they don't sell out buildings. Many times we've been to Raw and SmackDown in the Smoothie King Center. Now, that's in New Orleans. We're talking about Lafayette. But I've been to a SmackDown in Lafayette as well. And to me, that didn't sell out either so nowhere no matter where in louisiana it seems like it's not doing that well i've even been to i can't remember if it was a raw or smackdown but it was in baton rouge and that didn't sell out either so louisiana as a whole right now just isn't a very good market for wwe that's no surprise because a couple of years ago they graded certain cities and new orleans was actually graded lower than lafayette funnily enough they, they graded them separately i think lafayette was like a like a b or an A minus, and New Orleans was a B minus. I I believe I could be totally wrong, but they definitely were separated, and Lafayette was higher. That's ironic because, like I said, the crowd was dead, and I think it's because it's more families who make up that crowd. When I did go to the Lafayette show years ago, I remember just a lot of kids, a lot of families, and a lot of casual fans who probably don't watch NXT. Well, and you bring that up, and. You know, the TV ratings aren't reflective of the live audience. The TV ratings probably showed that people are actually excited about the storylines and the actual emphasis on wrestling. And these promotions of the NXT people were interesting. We don't know whether they're permanent or not. And I want to tie this into your crowd discussion. It was interesting to see who they reacted to. Aleister Black seemed to get a huge pop. Ricochet got a huge pop. In both shows, Gargano and Champa, it was like people didn't know who they were. And this is the NXT North American champion and the NXT champion. So if they're going to know anybody, not to mention their great DIY, you know, from t- takeovers and everything else, I that was the part that surprised me more than anything else about the NXT call-ups. Are they call-ups, though? Are they call-ups or are they... Is it just a a little pop to get guys over? We'll talk more about Johnny Gargano a little bit in NXT. But whatever it was, whether it was just a tease, they kind of have teased a little bit that there may be a little more crossover of the brands. I don't know if that's something that's on the horizon as well. But, I I, I mean, the crowd for Gargano and Champa in New Orleans was okay for SmackDown. I you know we watched Raw. It was like they had never heard of these people. There was no reaction. <laughs> it, it's very strange and unfortunate because it really paints the city, like in the state, in a bad light in terms of being a good wrestling crowd. We don't want that reputation. I want Mania to come back here again, and let's address that because actually. This is a great Mania town. People were saying they shouldn't come back to New Orleans, and why are they getting WrestleManias two times in like less than four years? Well, that's because people travel from all over the world to come to WrestleMania, no matter where it is. But New Orleans is a great host city for any big event, not just wrestling, but especially wrestling because 
there's so many things separated by different venues. So the thing about New Orleans, it's such a small city, unlike a lot of other cities, where you don't have to drive very far or walk very far or Uber very far, if you're taking an Uber or a Lyft, to get to the other arena or the other stadium or the other location for an event everything is somewhat close together and that's why people love coming here plus the good food the great drinks and the fun activities so to me it's the perfect wrestlemania town the raw and smackdown stuff really has no kind of bearing on what the wrestlemania crowd was like i've been to both manias in new orleans and they were phenomenal with crowds and with the atmosphere elsewhere on raw and you hit on it a little while ago when you were talking about factions First announcement of a Hall of Fame class, DX is going to be inducted. I thought this was interesting. You and I have talked about this in the past. China deserves to be in, and this is sort of their way to get her in without just putting her in by herself, it seemed like. She could easily go in by herself, and I think she deserves to go in by herself, but I'm not complaining because this could be the best thing that we're going to get in terms of her going in. Like It, it might be the only compromise we have. So that's okay. If that's the case, at least she's going in. And her name's getting tagged, you know, on all the announcements. Apparently, I read that her mother is attending, and she's very happy about this induction. So all that, I'm very happy about it. She definitely deserves to be in there. And somebody like, you know, Billy Gunn and X-Pac, I think it's good that they're all going in as a group. Because I think it just makes sense, and this way they all get to be Hall of Famers. Because they all deserve it. I mean, DX is one of the most popular factions of all time, as we talked about a little bit ago. And they really influenced a lot of things, and I don't know, they're historical. Definitely deserve to be in there. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm glad China's going to get in one way or the other. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for it. Let's uh, switch gears and uh, talk about NXT a little bit. Uh, big match on NXT television this week, and this kind of kind of wrap up our WWE first block here. Great match between uh, the Velveteen Dream, Johnny Gargano, North American Championship, with Velveteen Dream getting the victory. Yes, and I had read this spoiler like weeks ago because this was taped quite a while ago after that World Collide tournament, um, because that's how he got the title shot. So. Yeah, it was taped quite a bit ago, which sucks because spoilers are always out there no matter how you try to avoid them. I wasn't looking for it. It just popped up, and I wouldn't have known to avoid it because it wasn't like a normal taping that was releasing that week or anything. It was weeks away from airing even. So that's unfortunate, and I'm sure a lot of people have the same experience as me. However, having said that, the match, it didn't matter that I knew who won. The match was great. I loved it. And Velveteen Dream is somebody who I think can go really, really far. Even one day, eventually, on the main roster when he inevitably gets called up. I think he is so charismatic. And yes, we've talked about my personal gripe with him is that he sells a little too much. And I almost think it's even more absurd than Dolph Ziggler's selling. I like Dolph Ziggler a lot. I think he's one of the best wrestlers that WWE has today. He's a great technical wrestler. But sometimes Dolph oversells. And Velveteen Dream is even more extreme than that, almost to an absurd level. We've seen it in some of his past matches. Also... Has Johnny Gargano ever had a bad match? I mean, jeez, um, Pete's. This guy always pulls out all the stops, and he delivers great matches. I just love him. <laughs> all right. If you're watching or listening, and you're wondering what jeez, um, Pete's is, this is a New Orleans phrase. No, it's not. 
Yes, it is. It is not a New Orleans phrase. Yes, it is. I heard this phrase about five years ago on the golf course. Somebody said it. I'm like, what is that? And it is totally a New Orleans phrase. So Kelsey's little New Orleans roots coming out there. So what's the normal phrase that would substitute for that? Uh, most people just leave it at G's. Like G's. <laughs> well, I don't know. G's and Pete's just seem so right. I don't know who who G's or Pete's are, but regardless. Uh, no, the, the match was great, and Johnny Gargano was great. Uh, to me, the, the couple things that stood out was, uh, number one, the, the point where Gargano is bending Dream's arms back and the torque on his shoulders, I, I, it looked like he was going to rip his shoulders out of the socket. I mean, his arms, were, I, well, I can't even pretend to stretch that far back. <laughs> that was crazy and great psychology there working over the arm. And, and obviously it took a lot for Dream to beat Gargano because there was a lot of near falls, including he had to do two Dream Valley drivers before he even did the Purple Rainmaker. It's a lot to overcome Johnny, but he did it. And I, like I said, the charisma factor with Velveteen Dream, I think, is incredible and totally warrants him having the title. However, I'm a little bummed that this was literally Gargano's first title defense and he loses it. So to me, that's a little odd. And we don't even know if he's called up because you could say, well, if he's getting called up, that makes sense. Or if they're trying to reform DIY, which we kind of did see them tag together. And uh, we'll circle back to that because there was a scary spot with uh, Champa's knee that we all kind of gasped at in the arena. But before I go to that, let's, um, something on commentary that I thought was interesting. They didn't say they were called up. On commentary, they literally said NXT made their present felt on Raw and SmackDown this week. And they did a little short recap. So they didn't say they were called up. They said they made their presence felt. So to me, that almost indicates that they're still going to be in NXT, but I could be interpreting that wrong. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I don't think it is a call-up per se. I think it was a chance to infuse some fresh blood on your way to WrestleMania without your big stars getting hurt. And, you know, you know you'll know, you notice Seth Rollins had a minimal role on Raw. You know, I think part of it is protecting the stars, especially with the the, the people that aren't around right now. And... You know, I think it was a chance to expose people a little bit to the NXT brand if they're if they're not watching NXT. So I thought that was all great. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Champa spot. You know, when it happened in the arena, I thought it looked awkward. Then we had people asking us, you know, was it serious? You know, I don't know if it was a work. All I know is Champa was off camera laying on the floor flexing his knee. You know, and he wasn't doing it for the cameras. He was, you know, you could tell he was out of camera view. So that was the part that concerned me on that spot. I'm sure he just kind of twisted it or moved it weird. I mean, obviously he landed on it funny. So obviously it's a little hurt, but it could just be sore. And it could have just felt very odd because, you know, it's still kind of not, I'm sure, like it used to be before the injury. But he kind of limped off. But again, it could be selling I really don't know. It's hard to speculate. Yeah, well, it's one of those things. When you've had a knee injury like that, I'm sure you're a little gun shy. Like, okay, did I just do something bad to my knee? You know, I just did all this recuperation and fought my way back. I'm the NXT champ. 
and uh-oh, did I just do something? So Yeah, and it could have just been like a, a sharp pain because uh, just soreness for a second. It's hard to tell the difference between a real injury sometimes and just something that you tweaked that's temporary, that's not a big deal. But I'm sure he got in like an MRI or something when he went back. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, to, to go back to what we were saying and, and talking about NXT as well, the crowd reaction on those main stages for those guys and then watching that NXT match against Velveteen Dream when the crowd was insane for for Gargano, I I don't know what the problem is. I don't know. Are, are that many people not subscribing to the WWE Network that they don't know who Gargano and Champ are? Because in my mind, when those guys came out, more so than Ricochet and Aleister Black, even though those are two of my favorites, Ricochet may be one of my favorite wrestlers in the entire business right now. But Gargano and Champa, for what they've done, for the crowd to not react is a little disconcerting. Like, how do people not know who they are? And how are they not excited? I mean, if I had been at that Raw show and Gargano and Champa came out, now granted it was all kind of announced, but if they had just come out, I would have been like, oh my God. <laughs> I would have freaked out. I would have been really excited just like you. But, you know, the crowds in Louisiana, like I said, it wasn't a massive crowd, and I think it was made up of a lot of casual fans. So, we saw the ratings. When people found out that NXT guys were on the show, the ratings went up. So, I think people are subscribed to the network, and I think they are watching NXT, just not the Louisiana crowd. So, to me, it makes sense from what I've observed already at local shows and such. But, you know, let's one more time before we wrap up this WWE discussion, just talk about the arena setup that no one else got to see but us. So on the camera side, the side that the camera was on that you can't see when you're viewing at home, there was a big tarped off section. Now, WWE didn't make those seats available, obviously, and they did that because they usually don't sell out the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. And so they decided to save money and section off the seats, not make them available because they weren't going to sell them anyway. And that way they could fill up the side that the camera was shooting with more people. So I think that was a wise move business-wise for them because they don't sell out here. They know that. They've been here many times. But boy, when I walked in and saw that, it was a shock because I've been to many Raws and Smackdowns in that arena and have never seen them section off that much of the lower level. That's the thing. I've seen them section off the upper tier level, but not the lower bowl level. And it was just a lot of seats sectioned off. But again, it's not really anything against WWE and their business because I actually think the product's getting better right now leading to WrestleMania. I think it's more of an indication of New Orleans and of Louisiana as a wrestling town, especially for TV shows. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was jarring to me because it was it was funny. I bought our tickets that morning and, you know, I went to buy the $30 tickets and they were like, there's only one pair left. Otherwise, it's just singles. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this show? Nearly? Then they told me there was only a couple floor seats. We ended up with the next tier level of seats, whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a big crowd. This What's going on? And then we walk into the building. Look, they've had portions of the upper deck curtained off in the past. They've never had the, uh, for every show I've been to in New Orleans, 
every section curtained off in the upper level. And then basically from the stage to basically what would be the corner of the stands curtained off on the camera side. That was uh, pretty crazy. So it was disappointing. Look, I've said it before. I want WWE to keep coming to New Orleans selfishly, but I would question why they do if they're only going to draw four or 5,000 people. It's just not Chicago or New York or L.A. I mean, it is what it is, but um, I'm glad they have come here for Mania, and I can handle losing TV if they decide not to come back, even though I know they will. I mean, they only come back once or twice a year anyway. You know, they make their way around the country, and like we said, it was in Houston that Elimination Chamber took place, so it only made sense to come this way towards Louisiana and stop off. You might as well. It's not that far of a drive between the two places. Obviously, we drove it, so we know that it's drivable. So yeah, WWE just thought it made sense. They didn't really lose out a lot of money because not the whole arena was available even, but again, it's just not like those big wrestling towns, and as long as Mania comes here, I'm okay. Well, we'll see if WrestleMania comes back here anytime soon. Uh, Obviously, a lot of other cities would like the opportunity to host WrestleMania as well. But as you mentioned, New Orleans is a great city for whether it's WrestleManias or Final Fours or anything else. It's a great host city. Well, I think that's enough WWE talk. Don't you agree? (laughs) I mean, geez, yeah, I've been praising it. We've been talking about it forever. That's unusual for us. But uh, we had to go in depth because we we were there for two out of the three shows. But it is, uh, it is rare for Kelsey to talk that much about WWE without her head exploding. So we're going to go back into her comfort zone when we come back on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. We're going to talk about a, a great match in Rev Pro between Osprey and Pac. We're also going to talk about Honor Rising and a little NWA and Ring of Honor talk as well. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm in Lafayette. Kelsey is in New Orleans. Raw was in Lafayette. Kelsey, as you know, we were together for SmackDown in New Orleans. But the second segment, we're not talking about either. We're talking about some of the other promotions. And we're going to start with Rev Pro and a guy who used to be in WWE, now known as Pac, going against Osprey and Rev Pro in a 30-minute time limit match, which was really just a great match and kind of set the stage for more between them. It really did, and I was hyped for this match because as soon as people were saying Neville was going to leave WWE, 
Osprey tweeted out, give me Pac. And of course, Pac was what he went as before he joined WWE when they changed his name to Adrian Neville. So yeah, Osprey wanted to face him before he was even officially allowed to leave. And I think that's awesome because finally we've seen it months and months later pay off to where they finally got to meet up. And I hope we get to see it again. However, after this match, in another match Pac had, he really hurt his finger really bad. There's a disgusting picture circulating online where you could see part of his finger is pointing a wrong way and it's really gross and having broken one of my own fingers in middle school many years ago I know it's really painful and my finger kind of bent backwards but it wasn't pointing a completely different way permanently after I held it up after I fell but let's hope that he recovers quickly from that because it looked brutal and gruesome and gross well in the match itself uh prior to that and by the way you tried to make me look at that picture and I refused uh The Osprey pack match, some cool little spots. I loved Osprey hurtling the railing. I thought that was pretty cool. The uh, pack brain buster on the on the ramp was awesome. Uh, but more than anything else, you one of the first things you commented on was uh, the English crowd. I love the English crowd. I always have. I mean, they're the people who came up with John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. So thanks, guys, because that's an awesome chant. And I used to love singing that. Originated from them. Got to give them props. Every time WWE had a show there, I always loved hearing the crowd because they would come up with the most unique stuff. Like when TakeOver was there. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite TakeOvers. The crowd was on fire. And back when I liked Enzo and Big Cass, they really really gave them a great welcome and had this awesome chant for them. It was just great. But uh, besides that, we actually got to see English crowds firsthand when we were in Newcastle about a year ago, really, a little over a year, when we went to a Defiant Wrestling show. At the time, it was called WCPW, and we got to see firsthand how boisterous and loud and rowdy they can be, and it was awesome, and I'll never forget it. It's one of my favorite experiences at a wrestling show because of the awesome environment, and I think this Pac Osprey match is another example how the English crowd really adds to whatever match is happening. Well, and the other part of this is you talk about a lot the small little touches in wrestling. Osprey doing tributes throughout the match to other wrestlers, Okada, Skrull, uh, Ricochet, AJ Styles. That was awesome. Yeah, it's all about little moments in a match to me. I think that kind of elevates the match always. It takes a good match to a great match when you have little touches like that sprinkled throughout. And those moves that he paid tribute to, those wrestlers he paid tribute to, I think was really kind of a neat thing. However, there's some parts of the match that are a little foggy to me. It was really late when we watched it. I was drinking beer, and I don't really remember some parts. So I can't wait to rewatch it and kind of absorb every little element every moment and really get in there and have it sink in completely but I I know it was awesome and then I think one of the best parts is that Pac's heel work was really featured heavily in the match and that's again he's such a great character his heel work has really been on point and he's been getting better and better and I just think he's a top-notch heel one of the best in the business not just outside of WWE but even including WWE in the conversation he's one of the best heels out there and It was evident in how the match ended. He let time expire because, as you said, it was a 30-minute time limit match. And he just, uh, after he'd hit a low blow on Osprey, just let the time go out. I loved that. Thought it was the perfect way to to end the match. And it didn't hurt Osprey or Pac. So, right way to go there. 
let's shift gears to uh, Ring of Honor Television. And uh, while I've been away working soccer, you had a chance to catch up on Ring of Honor Television and got a chance to see some of the good and some of the bad with Ring of Honor. Yep, I watched Ring of Honor and it's episode number 387. And I'm going to mention something that you always kind of have a problem with, and you're right. So the first thing that they set up for this show is the six-man mayhem match. And two of the participants in the match were Saban and Flip, both of which are injured right now. So they're not currently wrestling for the company. And this is the problem when you tape four and five TV episodes at one time, then you've got injuries come up to where it doesn't make sense, you know, currently with what's happening in the company. Well, and take it another step forward. I mean, we, we're seeing lifeblood on these uh, Bound by Honor shows and things like that. Yet a week ago on TV, they're showing them forming. Well, we're already seeing them wrestling before you even see them forming on TV it's it's just not a good setup. They I know the reason they do it. It's because of cost. I get that. But they've got to narrow that window. If they've got to tape shows, it can't be more than two or three. I mean, look, we wanted to see the Nick Aldis, uh, PJ Black match, which you're going to talk about here in a second. That happened weeks ago. And we kept turning on Ring of Honor television, and they were still in sh- uh, showing sh- shows that were recorded in Philadelphia. And that was another two weeks before we even got to the shows in Atlanta where the all this PJ Black match was. So they got to narrow that window somehow. I don't know how to do it, but they got to figure a way. I have to agree with you because, you know, it just makes people confused if they're watching current TV, but they might have read, oh, Flip's hurt. Then they see Flip wrestling in this six-man mayhem match, and they're like, what the heck? I thought he was out injured, and they might not realize the difference there, and they might get confused. So to me, yeah, they've got to... They've got to do something differently there. But also they had promoted before this episode that it was going to be the best friends versus the Briscoes for the main event. And unfortunately, they had to replace Trent Beretta in the match. So it was Chucky e. T, part of the best friends, but then they got Colt Cabana. And that was kind of like a surprise. He was doing commentary. Nobody had announced who Chuck's partner was. Chuck come out and said, you know, he's not my best friend, but he's a really good friend. And Colt took off his announcing gear and he had his like ring gear underneath. It was awesome. And the crowd loved it. The crowd was, you know, chanting for Colt and they were really excited. It just shows you how over Colt is. And I love Colt so much. Um, Something funny that happened during that match, just two quick things. Colt goes up to Chuck Taylor and tries to hug him. Then they decide against it and they just shake hands. And on commentary, they said, yeah, they're not best friends, you know, but that's what good friends do. Shake hands. Then, um, later in the match, you know how Colt Cabana's whole theme song is, Colt Cabana, boom, boom. And then he's got boom, boom on his, uh, his ring gear. Well, on commentary, Ian cracks me up with his references. He referenced a random, like, Pulse song from the 90s. And he said it so, like, formal. He goes, boom, 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 make you want to say way but I can't even do it as formal as Ian did it. So he just throws that in in the match when Colt was having a good offensive move. And I was just like, this is absurd. I've got to write it down. Overall, great match. But of course, the Briscoes retain, which was no surprise. And then why don't you let everybody know about that Aldis PJ Black match? Yep. So then moving on, kind of NWA related because it was also released on NWA's YouTube channel. It wasn't just a part of Ring of 
Ring of Honor television. So if you want to watch the match in full, yes, you can watch this episode of Ring of Honor, or you could just go find the match at youtube.com slash NWA. It was a decent match, and as we know, it's been reported that PJ Black has signed with Ring of Honor, which is a great acquisition for them. To me, the match was good. Not my favorite Aldis match, by far. There was two awkward spots and sequences where the timing just was off between them. However, I'm not taking anything away from the acquisition of PJ Black. I think it's a great coup for Ring of Honor. I think he's a steady performer, and I love Aldis, so I'm not bashing him either. I just think their timing was off and their chemistry wasn't there that night. That's okay. It happens all the time. Still was a decent match, and I'd still recommend going and checking it out. And really, The thing in the NWA that I'm most looking forward to is the Crockett Cup and also that Aldis versus Skrull match. I can't wait for that. And of course, we saw some of that build. They released that on NWA's YouTube channel as well. There's a whole sequence where Aldis is speaking. He calls up Marty Skrull and they have a whole interaction. It's awesome. Well, speaking of Ring of Honor, uh, many of the stars are headed to Japan. And by the time our podcast airs, one of the first shows in the... uh, Honor Rising Series two-night event will have aired. So we're not going to preview any of that, but we're going to go into depth reviewing the shows and taking our best parts of it next week on the show. But Kelsey, uh, to kind of get the conversation going about this show, you put out a poll this week on what match people were most looking forward to. Yeah, and it was hard because actually I've looked at the cards and I'm really excited about them actually. I love when Ring of Honor guys and New Japan guys work together and this one's cool because these shows are in Japan. So the Ring of Honor guys actually get to go over there versus the Japan guys who usually come over to the States and perform with Ring of Honor. So I like this. It's a little change up of the usual and just there's so many matches. I could only list three and then a choice that was other that was my fourth choice so i said we'll be talking in depth about both new japan honor rising shows next week which match are you most looking forward to so many ones that i'm excited for that i can't even list them all osprey versus castle is a good one goto versus Cobb. and i said if your match isn't listed why don't you comment it well the match that won out of the poll with 52 percent was okada tanahashi and lethal versus the kingdom i think that's going to be a great match and we know that the tension's been building for a very long time between lethal and matt taven so that should transfer over into that show into that match and it should be great the second winner in the poll for what people are looking forward to most is God versus Sonata in Evil. And that should be a great match. Of course, it's kind of a standard tag match for Japan. They've faced each other before, but two great teams. You can't go wrong there. And then finally, I don't know why this one didn't get more love, but 18% in the vote, Briscoes versus Finjuice. I think this match is going to be awesome, and I don't care what anyone says. It's one of the matches I'm most looking forward to because I love the Briscoes, and I'm kind of a fan of Finjuice right now, i got to say. But there were some other people who said other answers too. But what matches were are you looking forward to, Paul? Hey, I'm with our fans. I think the six-man tag is going to be the best match uh, entertainment-wise of the show. I think the crowd, seeing Okada and Tanahashi together and getting to see Jay Lethal, I think they'll be hot for that. Uh, to me, that's the one I'm looking forward to as well. But like you said, other great matches there. Yeah, at Z-A-C-S-H-I-130 says, 
let's go night by night. Night one, I'm looking forward to Osprey versus Castle and Cobb versus Goto. I think Osprey versus Castle is going to surprise people. And then night two, he says Lethal versus Orion, which nobody else said. And he said, yeah, he agrees. Uh, Briscoe's versus Finjuice. He's with me on that. Then we've got our good friend at Deej Kirkby. Night one, Shota versus Zack Sabre Jr. Night two, Marty Skrull versus Robbie Eagles. Good choices. We've got at NJPWUS, Dalton versus Will Ospreay. I'm really looking forward to that, as I said. And then at PCH Nilbog, I want to see the real ROH world champ Matt Taven and the kingdom beat the living hell out of those Melvins. Hopefully Jay Lethal will apologize to Taven for impersonating the world champion this whole time. That's funny. Then we've got our good friend Jen at Chetty. This was so hard to pick because two of my favorite teams are listed, but Finjuice has a chance for some ROH gold. There are so many good matches on those cards. It's impossible to pick just one or two. There are going to be amazing nights of wrestling. I agree with her there for sure. Then we've got at Be Better Gamer. An idea I've been thinking about is wouldn't it be cool if some ROH wrestlers entered the New Japan Cup and announced it at this tour, to me, both Ring of Honor and New Japan wrestlers should want to face Jay White at MSG. Might be something you could talk about. I was like, yeah. Then we've got at Miss Amanda Jane, and she's looking forward to the Never Six Man Championship match. And of course, Colt's in that match, and she loves Colt, so that makes sense to why she'd be excited for it. And I love Colt, too, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. Well, I, I, I want to go back to the one comment. Some of the Ring of Honor guys in the New Japan Cup... New Japan does put some outside wrestlers who aren't regular parts of their promotion into uh, some of their tournaments, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. Regardless, a good weekend of wrestling coming up on the New Japan front as we get to shift gears and have a major discussion about New Japan next week, and uh, next week I'll be back next to you in the, on the set. Yep, can't wait. Should be a good show, and hopefully everyone enjoys the Honor Rising shows because they probably happened already by the time everyone's listening or viewing. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them, and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again too next week. Thanks so much for watching. That's it for us. That's the finish.